Welcome to another inspirational teaching by Pastor Shannon Neiman, pastor of Abundant Living Faith Center. How many of you were here last week? Let me see your hands. Awesome. Okay, so we're continuing our series called Dreamers. I'll take a moment to review just a bit, and then we're going to head in a new direction. This series really comes from probably one of my most favorite verses in the Bible. Ephesians 3, verse 20 in the Message Bible. It says, God can do anything. God can do anything you know. Far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. God can do anything. Look, if that's all you get tonight, then you got something. Amen. God can do anything far more than you could ever imagine, ask, or request in your wildest dreams. You see, my family, God created you to be a dreamer. In fact, I believe that God is the creator of dreams and he uses them. How does he use them? Number one, he uses them to bring revelation to our lives. He uses dreams to reveal things to us. And then he uses dreams to draw us towards his divine purpose for our lives. You see, you, each one of you has a story. You have a purpose. You were created with a God-intended purpose. Psalms 139.16 says, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. You have a God-ordained purpose. Now see, I have to believe that if you went to the trouble of coming here tonight, it's because you believe that you were created to live a good life. Amen. And you're here because you're working to live the God kind of life. And that's an incredible thing to pursue, but I want to challenge you tonight and over the next couple of weeks to kind of expand your thought process. I asked you this last week. I said, remember when you were a child, back to a time when your life was all about ice cream and playing hide and seek and all that good kind of stuff. A time when your dreams ruled your imagination and your heart and your intentions. A time when you thought impossibilities. A time when you didn't have words in your language like can't or never or no. A time when you only spoke of things in the context of when or one day or imagine how. A time when you were free of the notion of limits. You see, life has this thing it does. It has a funny way of taking us down paths that lead us to living a life that is less than the dreams that once filled our hearts. 
Life sometimes has a way of convincing us that our dreams are a waste of time. And we talked some last week about dreams. We use that word dreams in society in a whimsical, silly kind of way. We often react to people when they talk about their dreams like, that'll never happen. That's a waste of your time. But the truth is, is that your dreams are not a waste of time. They are not ridiculous. Your dreams carry power. You see, there are men and women who do great things for God with their life. And those men and women are dreamers. And I proved that to you in the Bible last week as we walked through the life of Abraham. But the Bible is filled with dreamers. Noah was a dreamer. Paul was a dreamer. Joseph was a dreamer. In fact, he was mocked and laughed at because he was such a big dreamer. But if you study Joseph's story, you see that his dreams were truly God-birthed. Because God was revealing to him the purpose for his life. A man and a woman that you know well, Charles and Rochelle Neiman, you see they are dreamers. There was a dream in their heart, and it didn't start in this place. It started in a tiny, tiny apartment with absolutely no money, no crowd, no pulpit, no audience, no no way to advertise. But God began to reveal a purpose for their life to them. And today we stand as the recipients of the purpose and the path that they paved You see, men and women who do great things for God are dreamers. Uh, If you go back to your notes last week, I gave you three definitions. Number one, the Bible definition of dreams. The Bible definition is an instrument for divine revelation. And then I shared with you my personal definition, and that is the revelation of God's purpose for your life. You see, I believe that our dreams are a way that God reveals his purpose for our life to us. The dictionary definition is that a dream is a desirable ideal. It is something that we hope to one day see or experience or possess. So if we make the connection, then we see it this way. God gives us dreams. We perceive them as a desirable ideal or a place that we hope to one day see or experience or possess. And the connection comes in this, that God draws us towards our purpose by placing in us a desire for the place or the thing that he intends for us to one day see, experience, or possess. Now, some of you have struggled because you've kind of let your dreams go. You've lost sight of them. You can't even remember what they are. This is definitely not the will of God. And I think that's why we're studying this, because God wants you to awaken the dreams that he placed inside of you. So before we go any further into this study, You must become convinced that God created you to be a dreamer. 
You see, dreams are not held for the select few. God doesn't play the game of any, many, miny, mo. Dreams are for you. God created you to be a dreamer. The fact is this. If you exist, which you do, then you, and the fact that you were born proves that God has a purpose for your life. You see, the fact that you were created proves that God has a purpose for your life. You see, God is not working, listen, on planning a purpose for your life. It's the exact opposite. He created you to fulfill a purpose that he had already designed for you. You see, Jeremiah 1 verse 5 in the Message Bible says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew all about you. Before you saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you. Before I formed you, I knew all about you. Before you saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you. You see, you were not created on accident, and then God began to intervene and create a purpose for you. It's the exact opposite. God designed a purpose for you and then created you to fulfill that purpose. Amen. Therefore, you must be convinced that God has a dream for your life. You see, I know that there are some of you who are here tonight. You're not living the, God, the life that God has planned for you. And as a result, you're not experiencing the fullness of the abundant life. Why? Because you have lost sight of your dreams. You don't even recognize what your God-given dream is. Let me give you an example. Let's say that you get a map and you're trying to get to 1000 Valley Crest Abundant Living Faith Center, El Paso, Texas. But the map that you pick up or you print out or whatever is a map for Dallas, Texas. You see, no matter how faithful you are, no matter how obedient you are to the traffic laws and the signs, no matter how focused you are on getting there, no matter how long you drive, no matter how persistent you are, you are never going to get to 1000 Valley Crest using a map for Dallas when it's located in El Paso. Do you see where I'm going? You see, you must know where you are headed. You must know the purpose or the dream that God has for your life. You must recognize the dream that he intends for you to see realized in order to live out the life that God has planned for you. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about Real life things that make our dreams come true. The real way that we walk out God's purpose for our life. But before we do that, we must first teach you how to figure out what your dream is. So if you brought your Bibles and you're taking notes, this is the time to get them out. Tonight we're going to talk about discovering what 
your dream is. The first key to discovering what your dream is is that you must get to know you. You must get to know you. Not the expected version of you that you put on display to people. Not the learned version of you, but the real you. Who are you? You see, many of us over time become the labeled man-made version of ourselves. But what I'm talking about tonight is you discovering the God-designed original version of you. You see, we live in a society that constantly tries to destroy our uniqueness. We live in a culture that tells us we must work to fit in. We must fit a mold. But my family, dreamers are mold breakers. They are not the ones that fit in. I remind you that Abraham believed that he could birth a child at 100 years old. I'm pretty sure he didn't fit in. More than likely, people were snickering behind his back and laughing at him. I'm sure that people came up to tell him how ridiculous his dream was. And Abraham had a choice to conform to what society and culture told him or to believe in the dream that God had placed in his heart. You see, dreamers are mold breakers. You see, there is nowhere in the Bible where it teaches us to be like anyone else other than Jesus. What we find in the Bible is this. It says, look, you be you. And you are made in the image of God. You be you, and you are made in the image of God. The Bible tells us that you are God's masterpiece. The Bible tells us that you are without flaw. He did not screw up when he made you. Now, society may be trying to tell you that there are flaws in you, that the talents and the giftings, the real you doesn't fit in to the mold that society dictates. But the, what we're talking about here tonight is getting to a position of recognizing who the real you is. And if I could say something to you, I would say this to you. How big is your God? How grand is the majesty of this God that we're talking about that inside of him is all of this uniqueness and all of this variety that encompasses each one of us in this room tonight. You see, God made you special and unique. Do you know who you are? Do you know? The Bible, contrary to what society teaches, actually tells us to reject conformity. It tells us to work to not fit in with the culture around us. Romans 12, verse 2. Many of you know this verse. It says, do not be conformed to this world, 
but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the acceptable and perfect will of God. I like the way the message Bible reads. It says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you're taking notes tonight, in context of being a dreamer, there are two ways that you must be transformed. There is the way that we, have to, we are taught often in church, and that is by rejecting your old way of thinking, by rejecting the ways of the world, your sinful nature, the things that are clearly not in God's word, and changing over to your godly spiritual mindset. So we change our thought process. Instead of believing from a position of doubt, we believe from a position of faith. Instead of believing from a position of an unloved, unaccepted child of God, we believe from a position of our new creation reality. But tonight I want to talk to you about something a little bit different. You see, I think that transformation needs to go a step further. Number one, you've got to transform your mind by rejecting the ways of the world or the ways of the enemy. But number two, you must reject the identity and the plans society has handed you and own the real you. You see, many of you are here tonight and you are an unrecognizable version of what God intended you to be. Why? Because as you have walked through life, society has handed you an identity by labeling you. And it begins at a young, young age. Parents say things to us, relatives say things, teachers say things. And as we grow up, we encounter relationships and conversations and moments where labels are handed to us. Many of you know those labels, and as I list some of them, you'll begin to identify things like you're a failure or you're a loser or maybe you're unlucky or unattractive or you're incapable or you're double-minded or crazy or weak. Maybe it's that you're negative or insecure. What I'm talking about tonight is not being conformed to that identity that society has tried to place on you. You see, a lot of times we walk through life and we casually take ownership of these things. We don't even realize how, that this is happening. And a lot of times it happens from good meaning people, people who love us and have good intentions for us, but they begin to place labels on our lives. And we begin to just adapt to those labels. Society begins to tell us, look, it's obvious that you should do this. It's obvious that you should not do that. And before you know it, you wake up and you are no longer the person that God created you to be. You have taken ownership of, a, of an identity that society handed you. So what I'm talking about tonight is being transformed to the point 
to where you say, look, I choose to reject the labels. I choose to reject the identity. I choose to reject the plans. I choose to let all of those things go and instead look inside of me and discover the real you. You see, I believe that there are many of you here tonight who need to be transformed in that way. You've already been transformed spiritually, but you need to be transformed by going back and evaluating the labels and the plans that you have embraced and begin rejecting them and start processing things from who you really are, who God created you to be. Now, this is a big concept to think about. Because hear what I'm talking about. This is not a transformation from the standpoint that includes changing who you really are. This is change that happens by looking at yourself and being honest about who you believe God created you to be. Let me give you an example. When I was growing up in school, class was very easy for me. I was a natural learner. Things came very easily for me. I always made good grades. I graduated from high school early. I graduated from college early. And people thought, wow, oh my gosh, she put so much effort in. The truth is, is that I didn't have to put a lot of effort in. It was easy for me. It was a gifting that God gave me. But an interesting thing happens. Now I oversee our school and I watch this happen all the time. You see, when kids are really smart in school, this begins to be said to them. Wow, you're really smart. You should be a lawyer or a doctor or an engineer. Back in the day when I was in school, it was just lawyer or doctor. Now it's expanded to engineer. And I remember growing up and going, oh, I guess I should be a lawyer or a doctor. And the truth is, I can't stomach blood at all. (laughs) And so I just kind of grabbed onto the idea that I should be a lawyer. And as I walked that out in my life, I went to college, I graduated, I took the LSAT, I even paid the registration for the first year of law school. And everybody was really, really proud. Things were going in a great direction. And I thank God that God intervened. Because you see, my last semester of school, right before I was going to graduate, I got an internship at this huge law firm. And one of the partners there was a friend of my dad's. And he said, look, I'm not going to give you the regular internship. You're just going to come hang out with me. And after the third or fourth week of hanging out with this guy, I thought, oh my gosh, there is no way that I can do this. I thought being a lawyer was like something I had been seen on a TV show. And the reality of being a lawyer involved a whole lot of studying and preparing documents and all this stuff. And you see, by nature, I'm a people person. I thrive on interaction. And there wasn't a whole lot of interacting. And the interacting that was happening was really, really depressing. (laughs) 
And I remember going back to my dorm room, and it was about a week before my graduation. Everybody was coming up there, and I thought, how am I going to tell all these people that there is no way I can be a lawyer? You see, that's the exact example that I'm giving you. I didn't have a desire to be a lawyer. God's dream for my life was not for me to be a lawyer. Society had told me I was supposed to be a lawyer, and I took ownership of it. You see, I'm talking about being transformed and looking at yourself and saying, I refuse to fall in with the fleeting fashions of this age, with the fashions of the things that are being sent to my life or told to my life. Instead, I insist on getting to know who God created me to be. You see, my family, labels lie. Labels present a false reality. And I would even go so far as to say this to you, being Christian does not mean that you have to allow people to speak into your life. Amen. You see, we have this idea that since we're Christian, we've got to be nice and we've got to listen to everything everybody has to say to us. But you don't have to let people speak into your life. Now, you don't have to be rude, but you don't have to listen. You don't have to take ownership. You don't have to conform to the messages that society is trying to pressure or place onto your life. In fact, I believe from God's word that it is your job to reject those messages and go back to the truth about who you are from God. There's this incredible verse in the Bible. You probably know it by memory. Isaiah 54, 17 says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. You probably hear us quote that all the time. We do quote it all the time. But rarely do we quote the rest of the verse. It says, in every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn you see, when society tries to label you, it is your job to say, I do not receive that. I condemn that. When you get a message that tells you that you're a failure, it is your job to condemn that message. It is your job to say, I am not a failure. My dreams will succeed because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You see, no weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. Let me tell you why so many of you are not living your God-given dreams, your God-designed dreams. You're not walking out your purpose is because of this very thing. Because people have spoken into your life, things are being said about you, thoughts have been planted in your mind from things people have said, and you did not reject them. Instead, you stayed silent and you allowed them to get into you and you took ownership of them. And over time, they began to change who God created you 
to be. And some of you are here tonight and you need to do the work to go home and evaluate yourself and say, you know what? I have struggled with this. I have bought into this idea and that idea is not who God created me to be. And so tonight I reject it. Tonight I choose to be transformed. Tonight I say I will not be conformed to the mold that society is handing to me. Tonight I say it doesn't matter where I come from, who I am, what, whether I'm male or female. It doesn't matter where I've been or what my current circumstances are. I will not choose to let my dreams go. Tonight instead I choose to condemn any voice that tries to rise up in judgment against the purpose that God created me to fulfill. Amen. You see, you've got to take responsibility and choose to become exactly who God intended you to be. Number two. The second way that we discover what our dreams are is that we define our heart's desire. You've got to define what your heart's desire is is. You see, your dreams are not objectives imposed on you by others. They are not shoulds or ought tos. Dreams are things that you should want with all of your heart. You see, your dreams should be tied to a strong emotion. They should be your passion. Now, we study David in the Bible he had a passion for building God's house. Psalm 69.9 says, passion for your house has consumed me. You see, you've got to know what your heart desires. You've got to make that clear in order to discover your dream. Psalms 34, 37 verse 4 says, delight yourself also in the Lord. And he shall give you the desires of your heart. That part there that says delight yourself, it means delight yourself in his favor and service and in the study of his word and his promises. And then he shall give you the desires of your heart. When I delight myself, in studying God's word, in knowing God, in serving God, when I delight in his favor on my life, then he will give me the desires of my heart. You see, you cannot define your real desires if you do not know God and his word. Oh, Shannon, that's not true. When I was a kid, I had this idea. Yeah, you had that idea. But you cannot define what your real desire is unless you know God's word. It says so in the word. It says, when you delight in God's word and his promises, then he shall reveal to you the desires of your heart. He shall give you the desires of your heart when you delight yourself in his word and in his promises. Do you know his word? Do you know his promises? If you want to know what God's plan is for your life, you discover that when you choose to delight yourself in his word 
and in his promises. And in that process, he will reveal to you what his just desires, what is truly desirable. That's what that part of the scripture means. It says, when you delight yourself in God and his word, then he reveals to you his just desires. He reveals to you whatever is truly good for you. Whatever is truly good for you. So to discover your dream, you must know, number one, the real you. And you must define what your heart's desires are. Number three. To discover your real dream, you must recognize your gifts and your talents. I don't care who you are and how little you think of yourself, you have giftings and talents. God created each one of us with giftings and talents. In Romans 12, it says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Each one of us has unique giftings and talents. Each one of us has unique dreams and purpose. And our giftings and our talents lead us towards the fulfillment of that. The Bible says in Proverbs that a man's gift makes a way for him. A man's gift makes a way for him. Well, how do I discover my giftings and my talents? It's actually pretty simple. What comes naturally to you? You see, Jesus said that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Your giftings and your talents are things that come easy to you. They're things that are natural for you. You see, that's why it's important that you understand this perspective. God did not create you and then work on creating a dream or a purpose for your life. It's actually the exact opposite. God creates a purpose for your life, and then he creates you. Let me give you a practical reference for that. You see, I know from what I learn in the word, from what Jeremiah tells me, I know this to be true. God looked into the future and said, one day, El Paso, Texas is going to need a female to get up and preach to pastor Abundant Living Facener, and that girl is going to follow in the footsteps of a woman named Rochelle Neiman, and he planned out that purpose, and then he spoke me and created me into existence. And when he did that, inside of me, he placed the giftings and talents to fulfill that purpose. <laughs> you see, God does not... Put a purpose out there and then leave you ill-equipped. It's the exact opposite. He plans a purpose for your life. Then he comes back and he forms you and he shapes you and he creates you. Equipped with all of the giftings and talents that you need to fulfill the very purpose that he's laid out in front of you. Amen. You see, your giftings and your talents make a way for you to live out your dreams. They are directly connected to your God-given purpose and dreams. So what are your giftings? What are your talents? What comes naturally to you? When you 
think about those things, when you recognize what those things are, then it is your job to develop them. You see, a lot of people get off course here. You see, if I had it my way, I would be a wonderful singer and I would lead praise and worship. And if I could sing, I would invest a whole lot of energy into developing that. But if I did that in the person that God created me to be, that would be a complete waste of my time. You see, I can't sing. If God wanted me to be the praise and worship leader here at Abundant Living Faith Center, he would have given me the talent to sing. Now, it would have been my job to develop that talent, to be faithful over that talent, to grow that talent, to pursue it, and to turn it into excellence. But God did not give me the gifting or the talent to sing. You see, you've got to be honest about what God made you good at. And what God made you good at, if you will develop it, if you will be faithful over it, it will take take you to your God-ordained dream and purpose. Amen? A man's gift makes a way for him. Number four, the fourth way that we discover our dreams is we seek godly confirmation. We seek godly confirmation. You see, sometimes in life we get snippets or pieces of our dream. We think maybe we have an idea of what our purpose is, but we have a difficulty defining it. We struggle putting direction on it. And this is where I believe that God's word tells us to seek advice from mature, seasoned, godly friends and leaders. Did you hear what I said? Mature, seasoned, godly friends and leaders. Proverbs eleven fourteen in the Message Bible says, without good direction, people lose their way. God doesn't expect you to figure everything out on your own. There are people who will help you. There are people to give you direction, but you've got to be careful. You've got to be on guard because there are also dream killers, and you know what I'm talking about. There are the eye rollers, the negative speakers, the ones who will kill your dream. So be careful who you seek advice from. The other way that we get godly advice is we open our heart to hear from the Holy Spirit. Romans 8.16 says, For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm. The Holy Spirit will help you to have a confirmation about what your dream is. And we'll close with this. Number five. When you discover your dream, ultimately, whatever your dream is, it must produce good things. You see, Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. Your dream must ultimately produce kingdom good. What do I mean by that? It must produce something that advances the kingdom of God because at the base of everything, we all share a common purpose. And that purpose is to advance the kingdom of God. And kingdom good will produce personal good in your life. Amen. Amen. 
You see, if what you believe is your dream does not produce kingdom good, then you have not discovered your God-given dream. That's kind of your checkpoint. Your God-given dream must produce kingdom good. Amen? Amen. Did you learn some things tonight? Listen, next week we're going to talk about how to make your dreams come true. What do successful dreamers do? Amen. Would you stand with me? I'm going to pray over you before you go. Father, I just thank you. For each one of these people who are here tonight, Father, I believe that they are blessed. They are blessed in everything that they do. They are the head and not the tail. They are above and never beneath. Father, I believe that they abide in your divine favor, that everything they set their hand to do will prosper. Father, I just declare that dreams and hope are coming alive. That you are revealing to us pathways to walk out your divine, God-given plans for our life. In Jesus' name, amen. We love you guys. We'll see you this weekend. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. For information on teaching material or questions about our church, please visit us at alfc.com.